Welcome to the St. Gabriel Catholic Radio Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, the Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, for the 18th week of Ordinary Time. Welcome, Bishop Brennan. Thank you, Dave. I miss Bill being with us this week, but it's really a nice opportunity to talk with you, to chat with you today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Same. Same. We have a a lot to talk about. We've been going through this wonderful book, uh, From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, and we're up uh, to chapter four, which is a long chapter, so we're going to focus on on the first section. The, The title of the chapter itself is Devising a Pastoral Strategy for this transitional time, and this section is Gaining an Apostolic Attitude. What's that mean? Well, as you know, we've been reading from this book and going through it, and the the last chapter had to do with the recognition that we are in a transitional time, that many of us grew up in what we might call that age of Christendom, when the culture really supported the... um, same principles as Christianity and use much of the same vocabulary, and there were certain assumptions that you could make. And uh, you know, even though you were starting to see some changes um, years back, the, the, the mindset was there. And today we see a very big shift in society and in the world. And so the author of the book, uh, coming from the University of Mary, the author of the book, focuses in on this time of transition, that what we need to do in the church is recognize that we're moving in, if we're not already there, into an age of apostolic mission where it really is like what the apostles had to do, proclaiming the gospel almost as if it were for the first time and introducing it. And that has its challenges, but as we've talked about before, it also can be a very, very exciting situation. And so... Devising a pastoral strategy and gaining that apostolic attitude means putting ourselves into the mindset of those first apostles. Now, you and I both have that book in front of us, yep. and I get a real kick out of the way that um, that this chapter opens. Right, so, right, with the agenda <laughs> from an early evangel the earliest evangelization committee. Exactly. So <laughs> you know, you imagine the the acts of the apostles, and so the first thing they did. Um, to, the agenda is to bring the gospel to the world, but the first thing they did is to take a look at the situation. So it, it's sort of like a chart, and it says our resources, and you go down the list. Bishops, 11. Priests, same number. Deacons, none. Soon to come in that time, but on the day of Pentecost, none. Mm-hmm. Trained, trained theologians, none. Religious orders, none. Seminarians, none seminaries, none. Christian believers, well, a few hundred. Countries with Christians in them, one. Church buildings, none. Schools and universities, none. Written gospels, none. Money, very little. (laughs) Experience in foreign missions, none. Influence, influential contacts in high places, next to none. Social attitude toward us, ignorant too hostile. <laughs> so when we look at the tasks in front of us today, they pale in comparison to what those apostles had on, in, on that day of Pentecost, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and, and as a secular perspective, 
it, it's bleak, right? I mean, it, what what manager would want to pursue this mission with those sorts of resources? Exactly, exactly, and that's but that's what then has us focus on the real resource, the resource that truly matters, and that is the presence of the risen Lord. Amen. And that, uh, and 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 what was important for them was that confidence in the presence of the risen Lord. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it, it, the author of the book makes the point that, um, that the, yeah, it's some of these pastoral plans and analysis and statistics are good. They're helpful to us. They're important, actually. They help us plan some of what we're doing in terms of real presence, real future, looking at the situation. It's important because it's important for us to know what we need to do. How do we meet the needs of the church in the 21st century? But at the same time, they are not the end-all and be-all. We, I think there was an expression in here, we, um, we can't be trapped by these analyses. We have to use them, but we can't be um, bound by them. We have to move with confidence. And so there was a great line that, in a particular way, those in positions of influence and authority need to be convinced that Christ— is the answer to every human ill, the solution to every human problem, the only hope for a dying race. That's so true. It was true then, and it's true now. So basically, yeah, we do. Are there challenges? By all means, by all means. But we have the same resource they had in those earliest of days: the real presence of the risen Lord walking with us, and. Really, we need to become more cognizant of that, and that is probably what's going to make us strongest. The 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 absolute dependence upon Jesus, upon and 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 His Holy Spirit that He sends to us to guide us. And uh, yeah, at times it can be frightening. And do you look at those early apostles? They had squabbles among them. Um, they had to work on questions of unity. Um, they kind of went forward and went back a little bit, forward and back. Um, you know, Paul had to challenge Peter a few times, and Peter would make some bold steps. But it was always in a spirit of love and a focus on Jesus Christ. And that becomes our charge today. Mm. You the, know, the, our faith is yeah. not in institutions, our right. faith is not in statistics. Our faith is not in programs. And by the way, you know, our faith is not in this expression or that expression. So, you know, um, I, I spoke here about the uh, the traditional Latin Mass, the, the Mass of 1962, the Extraordinary Form. And I, I wrote about it last week in the Catholic Times. And, it, you know, it's not... It's not the answer to every problem today, but neither is it intrinsically evil. What is central is the Eucharist. However, we celebrate it you know, validly in the Church. But what's central is that it's Jesus himself who comes to us, who gives us himself, who gives us his very life. Amen. And that's a nice setup for looking forward to Sunday's Gospel which is the 19th Sunday of Ordinary Time, 
where we continue with uh, the Gospel of John, specifically uh, John chapter 6, verses 41 to 51, a passage that's commonly referred to as the Bread of Life Discourse. That's right. I talk about the church giving us a summer retreat every three years, Yes, every third year. Um, as you know, we spend most of our time reading from the Synoptics Gospels, and this year is the reading of Mark's Gospel. During the second part of Lent and all of Easter, we in all three years we go to John's Gospel a little bit more. But maybe it's because Mark is shorter, um, but... Every third year, the year that we read from Mark, we take a little bit of a break and we focus in on this chapter of John's Gospel, the Bread of Life Discourse. It begins with the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. Last week, we heard uh, about the Eucharist as food for the journey, referred us back to the journey of the children of Israel in the desert with uh, with God, God feeding them for the journey. And and part of the message there is that the Eucharist is the bread of life that helps us to live our daily lives, to live good lives here on earth, that Jesus wants to be part of our life here. Next week, we move further in to that, and Jesus says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert, but they died. This bread that comes down from heaven, so that no one may eat it, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Wow. Mm. That's taking it a, a big step, isn't it? There's a so, lot packed in there. There's a lot. We went from Jesus giving them bread, feeding them, to Jesus saying, I am the bread, and I'll satisfy your hunger, to now Jesus saying, this bread that I give, my very flesh, will cause you to live forever. Is the bread that will give you life forever. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. That is a big claim, and that's precisely what we believe. And uh, Bishop, um, I'm struck also, uh, coming back then to uh, Christendom, uh, from Christendom to the apostolic mission, the importance of witness, um, where it may, may be a silly comparison, but, uh, you know, in the, in the pre-check um, announcements or, or pre-announcements on, on an airplane, they always tell you to put your mask on first, and then, and then the, the, the mask of the child. Mask, yeah, yes. the oxygen mask, and then take care of uh, the children. And something similar is happening here where with food, with sustenance, which is the difference between life and death, we eat, but then we also have uh, an immense obligation to share the good news with others. Indeed. Indeed, to, to share that good news, to encourage each other, to invite um, and um, it, 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 Jesus said in that gospel, everyone who listens to me and learns, I'm sorry, he says, everyone who listens to my father and learns from him comes to me. We learn and we 
come to Jesus, but we invite others to come to Jesus along with us. And I know I repeat myself, but a lot of that has to do with our attitude, the way we approach the Eucharist mm-hmm. and the way that we leave from church, the way we proceed after the Eucharist. What is the effect of the Eucharist in our in our lives? You know, um, I've been asked a lot about my favorite saints, and I have a bunch of them. <laughs> lots of friends. Of these, yeah, lots of friends. Yeah, um, Elizabeth Ann Seton. Mm. Her conversion story is a beautiful story. Actually, there's a recent biography that talks about all of her inner turmoil coming to that decision. But even though it took her a while to make the step and and a lot of turmoil, what really did it early on, what she couldn't escape, was that experience of the Eucharist. If you remember, she was um, in Italy. She had gone to Italy um, with her husband Mm-hmm. and hoping that he could recover there. And he ended up dying while they were quarantined, actually, before they could get even on to, to land. And she was cared for by uh, f- friends and business associates of her, her husband, the Felici family. And there's this beautiful letter she writes to, um, I believe it's her sister. Um, she calls we, I, I forget if it's a friend, but she calls her her sister. I think it's her sister. And she says... If only, she said, if, if you could see what I see. And she tells the story of the priest coming to bring the Eucharist to someone who was ill. And all of the reverence around him as he carried the Blessed Sacrament, people falling to their knees as he passed them. Um, and And really just focusing in on that. And and she said, Oh, dear sister, if only we could believe what these dear souls believe, that God really does come to us. Amazing. I mean, we all say that. It rolls right off our tongues. We say we believe it. Right. But if only... She says, if only we could believe what they believe. If if our faith were visible, if the joy of the encounter with Jesus Christ um, after we receive him was real, imagine what powerful witness that gives. Um, indeed, it, it, even just for ourselves in a renewal of faith, and especially living in, in, as we talk about that apostolic age, what a what a joy it is, and what it what does it mean to be utterly, absolutely convinced that Jesus is the answer to every human need? And so, yeah, the great task of the church is to proclaim the gospel, preach, and live the gospel with clarity and conviction. I was looking at that very same passage <laughs> in, in in every age. In every age, in every age. So, so yeah, the job is there. It's, it sounds like it's a great mission, uh, you know, a tough mission, I should say. It sounds like, oh, man, you got some work ahead of you. This is not going to be easy. But it's not, it's, neither is it all that hard because it really is just authentically living what we 
celebrate. It, it's being very conscious of what really happens when we approach Jesus, when we encounter Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, and letting that inform our lives. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it, it's a gift um, created out of love, right? And, and you, you can't yes. put metrics to love. Uh, you know, we don't measure or keep score <laughs> when, when you're talking about love and um, with our families. It, it, it's love is enough. Love is everything. And authentic love. Uh, yep. Authentic love because yep. the world has some. Doesn't understand skewed, it that way. Yeah. Pretty skewed views of love. But if we go back to God's very essence and the sacrifice that brings us the Eucharist is pure love. Yeah. And we have an opportunity at the end of the month um, to participate in a Eucharistic gathering on Friday. Well, it's a, it's a private uh, live stream um, presentation on Friday, August 27th. And then on Saturday, August 28th, is a public event at St. Charles uh, Preparatory School. Um, tell us more about this, Bishop. Sure. Well, you know, first of all, the uh, we, when you talk about private on on this Friday before, basically the point is it's rather limited. It's here at the cathedral, so it's a small number of people. Because of so size. Yeah. Because of size. So yep. our real focus on that is... Um, a real focus is the live stream so that we can participate. And it's sort of a day of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, we will, there is a, a, a procession, um, but, that's, but we want to celebrate Saturday, again, both broadcast and um, in person, is, the, um, is, is our Eucharistic event. It will consist of Holy Mass on Saturday morning, at St. Charles High School here in Columbus, followed by um, two keynote talks, Bishop um, Archbishop Perez, formerly of Cleveland, now the Archbishop of uh, Philadelphia, will join us, and, um, and he will give the keynote, and it's really all about going deeply into real presence, real future. And it's, this is something we talked about, oh, in the early days of the pandemic, mm-hmm. we said we need to do something big, really, to celebrate our being together for the Eucharist again, and really to revive that. And then the on a national level, that's happening as well. So, so this has been underway, and we're looking forward to it. One one day, maybe we'll be able to have a Eucharistic Congress, which would be really big over several days and wide open. <clears throat> But this is our beginning. This is us getting started right away. Those kinds of things take a lot of a lot of time. Well, we're looking forward to it, and we encourage um, all of our listeners to, of course, attend yourselves, but also bring along somebody um, so that they can experience this uh, extreme charity. You know, we've talked about extreme charity, and now this opportunity to experience uh, the real presence uh, with experience uh, and witness. Amen. Indeed. Amen. So we, I thought today to close, I might use the traditional prayer, the Anima Christi. Wonderful. All right. Why don't we pray in the name mm-hmm. of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. 
Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from Christ's side, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. With thy wounds hide me, within thy wounds hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malicious enemy defend me. In the hour of my death call me, and bid me come unto thee, that I may praise thee with thy saints and all thy angels forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Brennan, and thank you, friends, for joining uh, Bishop Brennan for the Faith Dialogue on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio for the 18th week of Ordinary Time. We now rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.